Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways. I'm Rob Goodman, and I'm so excited to bring you this program. We'll be talking to creative people of all walks about the unexpected ways they got to where they are in their careers. We'll talk to restaurateurs, entrepreneurs, marketers, artists, musicians, photographers about the steps they took to land into a creative dream job, a position that's fulfilling and really in line with their passions. I want to tell you a little bit about me. I've been an artist and an illustrator my whole life, and my passion for music was my gateway into the marketing world. I worked for Sony Music for several years, developing artists and creating marketing campaigns that would connect fans with music that they would love. And after getting into digital marketing in the music business, I hopped over to Simon & Schuster to work in publishing. And there I ultimately was leading online marketing, developing big campaigns for some of our most well-known authors and creating content and um, exciting programs that would connect people with stories that they would love. And I never would have thought that um, working in the publishing world would have been how I would then next move into technology. But Google saw what I was doing and they brought me on board to help launch Google Play and to run global marketing for digital publishing. So it was ebooks and digital news and digital magazines and our first mobile education product, launching products globally and building platforms to you know help help tell the story of the of the products to an audience and really get people engaged on these platforms so that they could read more and learn more and then decided to go out on my own and start my own company. So now I'm working with startups and smaller organizations to help them tell their stories and working in content and brand building uh, to really connect what they're doing with, with the right audience. And part of me going out on my own was really making more time for the things that I love again. That's music and doing more art and illustration, which I'm doing again now. I want to thank our sponsor, General Assembly. General Assembly is an amazing organization that's dedicated to continuing education, and they really want you to pursue a career that you'll love. Um, So it it made perfect sense that I would hook up with them because our missions are so aligned. But they offer courses and workshops so that you can really transform your career, whether it be in design or typography or SEO or UX or coding. There's really so much you can do there. They even have online courses. They're here in San Francisco. They have amazing space and they have uh, offices and learning centers all around the country. So you've got to check out General Assembly. A little bit about our guest today. Tom Sansani is the director of product design at Eventbrite, a platform for ticketing and connecting people in the real world through events. And Tom and I chat all about his love for video games, how that brought him into learning about computer science in school, how he ultimately woke up and realized that the mathematical end of computer science was not for him and design was really a passion he wanted to pursue, how he ultimately got to Eventbrite, what he's doing there now, how he's learned to go from a designer to a manager of design, how that all fits together. 
But I think uh, I think you'll learn a bunch. I certainly did, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. So let's get started. Tom, thank you so much for being here. It is an absolute pleasure to be here, Rob. How long have you been in San Francisco? I have been in San Francisco for a little over five and a half years. Um, I actually moved here for Eventbrite. So I was a New York New York boy before that, um, from the Bronx, as you mentioned. And I uh, lived in Brooklyn for about five years before I made the venture out to the West Coast um, for the gig where I'm currently at. So reading through your experience, you've been in Eventbrite for, you said, five years? Five and a half, yeah. Five and a half years. And who's counting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And three days. Yeah. What What was your like trajectory at Eventbrite? Because you're now in a design leadership role, but you yeah. started off. Uh, yeah, I started junior. off as uh, just an individual contributor. They hired me initially as a, a mobile designer. They called it. Um, I specifically remember my boss at the time. Once I was hired, told me it was like pretty much down to me. And one other guy, they were like fielding a lot of different like types of people. And I suddenly like cropped up at the top, um, which is great to hear. Um, but I uh, was pretty much interviewing at a bunch of different places in New York. And Eventbrite was the only place outside of New York that I threw my hat into the ring. So I like I knew the company. I knew kind of their mission, but I wasn't. I didn't think that I would be the kind of person to leave New York. Was it a big decision to at least leave the city? Yeah, I I never imagined leaving New York City. Like, uh, especially when you're from there, you have this you have this very centrist point of view that it's like the best city in the entire world. Um, but I, uh, it's an interesting kind of path because I started out in college. Uh, so I've always been a video game nerd, uh, backtracking a little bit further. Like ever since I was a tiny little kid, one of my fondest memories was, uh, playing with, uh, uh my NES that my parents bought me when I was like four or five and Rob the robot. Do you remember? Like, yeah, you're, you're like, yeah, my namesake. <laughs> <laughs> I have the original Rob the robot from the 1950s, like a replica of it. It was this remote control robot. Whoa. But I know what you're talking okay. about. It, yeah, it's, the it was NES, NES Rob. Yeah. Uh, which was just, uh, so there was a uh, NES cartridge that you could put in, and it had like this little cable that allowed you to program this robot that was able to move discs around. And so that was one of my fondest memories of like, besides duck hunt and mario and all of that like having robbed the robot in my little basement um being like yeah i love this this is my entire life and so i knew growing up that i wanted to be uh i wanted to make video games and i didn't really know what that meant but i knew i wanted to do that and so i looked at i did a little bit of research when i was in high school um and knew that like becoming a computer scientist was one of the paths to be a programmer and be a developer. And so I looked at schools for com a computer science or comp sci and uh, uh, where I ended up going to school, Manhattan College was one of the uh, top schools in where I was kind of looking for computer science. 
so you're at a young age, you know you want to develop video games. You don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, you, you, I want to do it, but I have no idea what it right. is. How do I program Rob the Robot for the NES? <laughs> um, so you go through school. Are you studying how to make video games in school, or are you just learning general coding and developing and, and all of that? Yeah, so uh, again, this is my lens on it, but college always gives you the fundamentals, and people actually go for their masters to like, specialize or get a little deeper into the underpinnings of like what it is to actually do that thing. So for me, uh, the beginning of college was a lot of understanding of just computer science basic formalities. So what's Unix? What is C? What is C++? Uh, this was at a time when everyone had PCs and Macs were like slowly on the rise again. And I was probably one of the only per people who like bought a MacBook to like code in uh, Unix. It was, it, it was weird because it was kind of me with my MacBook and like all these other people with like PCs. And these kids were like talking about building their own like PC towers. And I had no idea of any of this sort because I was more of a software person unless of a hardware person, but I always loved the web. And I think that was the other thing that I slowly realized was I was less infatuated with the hardware and more infatuated with like the experience of using these websites and these programs. And so this lens of like being a designer or creating these experiences spoke more to me than like the operational capacity of like making these things. So you went through school yeah. and you you got this degree, but on the side, you you basically took it upon yourself to study the things that that really felt like a a passion. Yeah, so I I, I graduated as a major in uh, computer science, and I have a bachelor of science in computer science. So, um, and it's kind of messed up, but some people who aren't cut for uh, the mathematics side of computer science, um, you can actually. Uh, or I don't know if you could do this anymore, but you could skip that. You can say, I don't want to learn Calc 1, Calc 2, and all of these different types of challenging mathematics courses, and I just want to take more of the uh, uh, different type, they call it, uh, so you can get a Bachelor of Arts in Computer Science or a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science, which for me it made sense if I'm going to be a Computer Science major to get a Bachelor of Science, but it requires you to take all of those more advanced mathematics courses. But for me, I was like, well, I already did Calc 1, so I need to continue kind of this course. Because if I decided to change paths, um, I would have to kind of lose a year or two. So it's kind of like in this, like, you're looking forward at where you can go, and you're looking back at what you have to kind of, like, redo. And I was like, well, I'm already halfway there. So why don't I just keep going? Was there a moment in that sophomore year where either a teacher spoke to you and kind of, like, gave you some guidance or there was something that you saw out in the world that just kind of made you realize, okay, I see what path I'm on now, but I see where I want to go. Like, how did you figure that out? I think it was the freshman year where <laughs> uh, my first semester, uh, where it's like, I sh these are like the early signs that you maybe shouldn't forge that path, but I'm, I tend to be more stubborn headed. But um, my computer science 101 teacher, um, who I went to Manhattan College, which is a, I believe, uh, a Jesuit school. So it's like partially religious. 
Um, but you know, it's not like ham fisted or forced it forced down your throat by any means. But um, my uh, teacher was actually Sister Joan Harnett, uh, and she was a very wonderful, understanding teacher in terms of like explaining how C and C plus plus worked. I remember going to her for learning how um, arrays worked, which are essentially like loops that you would start from like i equals one and from one to five, what you would continue that loop. And I was just having a hard time. Like I know I knew the concept. So the theories I always got got were fine, but actually applying it was where I found it challenging. And I remember going to her one time and uh, I don't, I just don't know if whether I was a terrible student or she was just having a frustrating day, or maybe I was just very frustrating because I always went to her after school for like that help. But I was trying to like understand how like Z indexes worked and arrays and she just turned to me and she was just like like completely flustered she was like it's not that fucking hard <laughs> and then i just kind of looked at her and she caught herself and she was like i'm sorry but just look at it a little bit more and i was like okay but i like left and i was like mm, maybe i'm just not excellent at this but uh, it was a small class and everyone was like really good at the camaraderie and like working together, slowly chipped away at getting this. Um, so I think that was a spot where I was like, maybe this isn't for me when like other people were like, this is super easy and I'm acing this. And I just was kind of the guy who was always kind of my non-core classes, uh, like English literature, A+. But then it was always like the physics or physics two, or physics for digital systems that required like these really complex formulas uh, that I was getting kind of C pluses. And everything else kind of leveled out. But for me, I was always struggling with like the fundamental thing that made up what I wanted to be. And so for me, I was kind of looking more at like the interfaces and how people were using those tools. And that kind of caught me. And then I realized it was more about like, UI design and web design. So that's when I slowly on the side learned HTML, um, CSS, um, Flash, which was uh, huge at the time. So I, I did a lot of Flash design and development. And uh, around junior, senior year was when I started to intern um, at a Flash design agency. And that was when I was able to like both learn uh, or apply my design skills and actually learn the HTML and Flash development side of things, where we know how Flash ended up now, but at the time it was like used predominantly for restaurant websites, which was kind of our main go-to. We would create a lot of templates for three, four-star restaurants in New York City and kind of sell to them. And it was never on the sales side, but I would actually work on creating these websites for these awesome, beautiful restaurants where it was like click to enter, like those splash pages. Like I would make those and like tons of lens flare and all those critical things. Um, but it was kind of my my kind of first foot and foray into web design. So you're in a position now where you're you're hiring you 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 have a great team at Eventbrite and you're hiring designers. How does that inform the kind of advice that you give to to students now? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I look back at my education and I was like, man, wouldn't it have been so much easier if I just went to like uh, a school or a digital or a design school that like did. Uh, well, they don't, I don't think they called it new media at the time, but like, that's what a lot of company, uh, a lot of, um, colleges are calling like digital media is new media or digital arts. 
Um, but I was like, how much easier would it be if I just went and like focused on that or went to a design school like Parsons or, or like one of those New York focused ones. And then I slowly realized that like the choices that you make when you're progressing along in your career ultimately make up where we are today. And so I could have just as easily went to a design school and realized that this wasn't my cup of tea. Maybe their format and their thinking and their logic um, didn't align to me and I wanted to become more of a methodical person. So for someone who's kind of like getting into this like range of what they think or they don't know what they want to do is just kind of like follow your passions, but also be adaptable that maybe something that you learn or do in college isn't going to be the trajectory that you end up in. And that's okay. Like a lot of the people that graduated in my class ended up becoming real estate people or business people. But I think it's important that the the, the fundamentals that you learn, you could apply in your life. So one thing that I always like, I can't code a C++ application or, you know, if I look at Unix code, like it's just a foreign language to me. But one thing that I still apply in my day to day life is empathy towards that building and creation process. And that's something that allows me to kind of remove myself from my position that I'm in put myself in their position and say, if I create this maybe extremely um, challenging thing and I'm like, well, just create it because I came up with that, which very likely, maybe not, very likely could have happened if I was in a creative school where anything I come up with should be implemented and they're like, this is not doable. I feel like that could have caused, that could cause a lot of friction or be very jarring for someone during their first time. But for me, coming from that background, I know how to maybe approach that situation or kind of understand their thinking to maybe approach the conversation in a way that is a little more empathetic or understanding to what they're hoping to create and resolve for. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it almost makes me think that schooling should include understanding the other teams and people who are going to be part of making projects a reality. Yeah, I think we're seeing that a lot more in like, I think schools that maybe get it or like are creating more of a cross collaborative environment where they're like, okay, you're a developer, you're a designer, you're maybe more of a business savvy person that can translate into being a product manager. Like, let's get those groups together to maybe have a final project where um, the output is, could be great, but the idea is more building that tolerance for that environment of not being isolated, not having all just designers or all developers or all business people talking and communicating, but actually getting this uh, camaraderie together of all these different multidisciplinary people, because that's ultimately what a company is, right? Like it's a sum of its parts. And like, that's what makes us fascinating is that it's not all like-minded people or all of the same discipline creating things together but like getting that kind of cumulative sum together hey everyone i want to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor general assembly and their mission is so in line with what we're doing here on making ways they're all about giving you the tools and the knowledge you need to pursue a career that you'll love. Whether you're doing that here on their campus in San Francisco or any of their campuses across the globe, 
You can take courses in learning how to become a developer, a UX designer, someone who's an expert in typography, in digital marketing, in SEO. They've even got online courses and they have free events that they offer all the time where you can go and learn and meet and greet people who are working in those industries. You can learn more about their next free event on their website, which is G-E-N-E-R-A-L-A-S-S-E-M-B.L-Y. So it's General Assembly, but just put a dot between the B and the L-Y, and you'll go right to their site and, uh, and check them out. Let me know what you think. Now let's get back to the show. So you spent a couple years at this flash agency working on the restaurant websites. Um, and then where'd you go from there? Yeah, so I worked at uh, uh, the Flash Agency for a little bit and a uh, very small company. There were like two designers there and there were a lot of developers, but it was predominantly just like salespeople, but like 10 or less. Uh, one of my primary roles in the Flash Agency was working with a notable chef at the time. And that really helped me get my foot into um, Food Network. My role was visual type designer. Like I was much more of a visual UI person initially. So it was a lot of like initially started off as ad banners. And this is very common for a lot of designers who start off on the advertising side. Uh, and then I eventually started doing more of the page designs. And then I was in charge of their much larger uh, microsites which included uh, Thanksgiving, which was like the money maker. That was like the seasonal big thing. And so I'd be in charge of like designing the entire uh, pages and layouts for that. When did um, you when did you get that? So you, you oh, yeah. got so Thanksgiving the page and like <laughs> you're like, all right, I've made it at the Food Network yeah, on, the, yeah. on the design side. Like I'm running this this, you know, I contracted for like half a year and then I was uh, web designing for them for a couple of years. And I, I did their Thanksgiving page for a couple of years. And then they also had a lot of obviously they're known for television. So. Um, there was an internal creative team specifically for on TV stuff. And then there was the digital team, which was us. And digital was very new for Food Network. Like it was like valuable, but they didn't really understand how it like worked too much. But like it was kind of the thing that was gaining a lot of traction. I worked on a lot of like everything from like television shows like Iron Chef. Uh, but my big thing that I really did was they decided, and this goes back, this was like a couple, not a lot, but a couple of years into the iPhone uh, and the iPad, um, we decided that we needed to create an iOS app, a universal app, which means it works on both devices. And my boss at the time uh, gave me the project and it was my first foray into mobile design. And so I was able to understand the mechanics of what an iOS design entailed, working both on iPad and iPhone, and I instantly caught the mobile bug, which at the time was very new. Like iOS was the wild west in terms of like all the different apps that were like either using consistent componentry, UI, and like interactions were all over the place. But as soon as I designed that app, I knew like I wanted to work primarily on this. Like I think web isn't going anywhere. Like I still think it has a place in the realm that we're in, but I wanted to like learn a lot more about mobile design because designers work really well with constraints 
And I think it provides a little more constraint than web does right now or did. And uh, at that point, I kind of felt like I was spinning my wheels at the company. I was there for five years, which is pretty long duration. Um, I had already like managed some interns, some of the more junior designers, and I was feeling like I was not really growing there. And that's when I started looking outside. And so I looked at a couple of places in New York, and then I, I went to a couple of creative mornings. They were using Eventbrite at the time. I think they're on their own platform right now. But uh, creative mornings uh, in New York uh, was using Eventbrite. And that was my first kind of understanding of Eventbrite as a ticketing platform. And so when I was looking for gigs, I saw that they were looking for, I believe they called it a visual designer at the time, which was what my title was. And um, it's funny how that's kind of evolved and visual designer in some realms still have some sake. But when I interviewed, I uh, they mentioned how they wanted to expand their mobile applications and kind of my work at uh, Food Network and the recent project, the project kind of caught their attention. And as soon as I interviewed with them, it was a small team, company was less than 100. Um, there were only three designers. And as soon as I interviewed with them, I was like, these are my people. This is kind of where I want to go. And so they offered me the job. Um, I kind of had this moment where I was like, this is the place, but I don't want to leave. But I realized, especially for how San Francisco was expanding, this is five and a half years ago, um, in terms of all the technology, I was like, this is probably the, the smartest choice I can make right now. Because at the time I had associated New York with agency and San Francisco with not just startup, but like just a lot of growing technology companies. And for me, going from Food Network, which is a much larger organization and company and corporation to a company that was less than 100, I was like, this is so risky. Where when you think of all these other companies that are much smaller now, it's kind of um, comical. Yeah, but, but once you're working in like the corporate world and you've got your whole thousands setup. Thousands and thousands of people, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big risk. Yeah, or it it's, feels that way. It yeah, and it, for me at least it was, and obviously it's it, it's in the eye of the beholder. But for me, I was like, okay, I'm working with a much smaller team. We're going to be much more nimble, and we're going to get a, try to get as much done as possible. Um, and I started off building and de not building, but designing their uh, mobile apps. So uh, the first version of the Eventbrite app, which was the ability to just um, log into your account and have all of your tickets there. So essentially a wallet for your tickets was one of my first projects. And then they had already had a version of the app which um, was called Entry Manager. So that was on the organizer side. So logging in and being able to scan people at your event. So I had updated that. So mobile was kind of my first foot into that um, design realm at Eventbrite. And then they kind of started to ask me to expand and grow my own team. What had to change in the way you operated to go from an individual contributor to more of a leadership or management role? Like when an individual contributor does really well, a lot of companies tend to just promote them and they're like, you're a manager now. Um, so there's this old adage, which is you take your best individual contributor and make them a shitty manager. Because <laughs> that's like, it's so unfamiliar to them. And you just kind of thrust them into the situation that they just don't know what it is. And so initially for me, uh, it was a little jarring because I'm the kind of person that, like I mentioned, throw things at the wall and see what sticks. I'm very hands on. 
where I will kind of just grab the Photoshop file or grab the now sketch file um, and create it and be like, can we just do this for everything versus kind of give them a guiding hand and have them learn it on their own. And there are a lot of people and I hear it that's like, well, I could tell them how to do it and it'll take five hours or I could just do it and it'll take 30 minutes. And I think that's the part of being a individual contributor or a manager. That's the hard transition that people have to make, which is like, yes, potentially initially you could do it faster, but they have to learn it on their own. They have to build up that muscle and you have to kind of get them to that level and they have to get to that level and you have to motivate and inspire them throughout that spot. But depending on the company, I feel like they've done a lot better at dividing up those two tracks to say, you can be a, an expertise and never manage someone and be an individual contributor. And you could also be someone who's an expert, expert at managing people and leading people and driving strategy and directing and being a vice president of design. But you could also be a senior or a top guru of being an individual contributor and act as a mentor, but not necessarily manage people. So there's a lot of different ways I feel like in, in, in the industry that you can go where in the past it didn't seem as black and white. So besides having to build all those management skills, what about your contributions? Have you had to step away from designing yourself? Do you still design? Do you view kind of building and working with a team and having them execute on your vision together, a form of design, even if you're not moving pixels? Like, and how do you, how do you feel about that? For me, at least as it's evolved, it's been interesting to kind of see my role change as not just a visual or a UI person, but as I start managing these people and getting them to think differently about this stuff, um, for them to kind of level up and do these different types of design and activities. So while I'm not as hands-on anymore, and I still fire up Sketch and I'm still moving stuff around, um, it's more introducing them or having them communicate with people and connecting those dots to make their lives easier. That's kind of what my role and responsibility is. So in a way, it's not about me educating another front-end engineer about this brand new grid or layout that we're introducing, but kind of educating one of the designers on my team on how to present this brand new experience to a much larger front end engineering audience so that they can both learn that skill set and we can also get them up to a, a greater elevation in the platform. So when I mentioned cheerleader and kind of that me methodology before is like, it's not about you, which is a pretty radical thinking uh, when are obviously doing an organization and you're kind of like working with the team, but it's all about them. And if they're happy and they're successful and they're doing the things that they want to do, you're successful. So my role has kind of evolved from less of a person manager to directing and providing the strategy, which is where do we want not just our design team, but all of the disciplines of design to head towards. Thank you, Tom, so much for for coming by and and for chatting. This has been uh, great. Is there is there anything more you want to add? Was there like a great story we uh, we didn't get to? I was going to ask about uh, you know becoming a video game designer and if that's like the itch that still may need to be scratched one day. I know you play a ton. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think the itch has been totally scratched yet. Um, it's one of those things, and this is kind of just with everyone, and maybe this is my ledge that I need to step off of, is like just kind of dipping my toe. Like the same way I, in college, did some stuff on the side. Like maybe I need to make some time and learn a video game programming language or learn a brand new 3D skinning application like Maya, but just like kind of get comfortable with the uncomfortable and then see what happens from there or not. Um, so it's to be determined, but as it stands right now, it's always something that's kind of there and whether I want to grab it or not is up to me. That's great. Thanks so much, Tom. Great yeah. having you here. Thanks, Rob, for everything. All right, guys, that was the conversation with Tom Sansani, Director of Product Design at Eventbrite. Thank you so much, Tom, for your openness, and uh, I learned a lot in the conversation. I hope you all did, too. Special thanks to our sponsor, General Assembly. Go check them out. Sign up for a free event and learn more. They really are an incredible organization whose aim is to support you and give you the tools you need to transform your career. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Very special thanks to Jim. The band The Sandworms does our music, and uh, Jim was also in that band. Very special thanks to my friends and supporters. It's been a journey getting here and launching the podcast, and I could not have done it without all of your support and your feedback and your input, whether it was over email or uh, over, over a beer or uh, a chat. I'm so, so very grateful to each and every one of you who contributed into where we are today and, and launching Making Ways. If you like what you heard uh, in our episode, I would be so grateful if you gave a review on iTunes. Um, that's really how you can help people discover the show. And if you want to learn more about the show or about me or what we're doing, um, check out makingways.co. And on the website, you'll be able to see illustrations and a story for each of our guests. So definitely go check out makingways.co. Thank you guys and have a great week.